This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. One of Alabama's state senators is now indicating that potentially the state legislature could wade into the area of athletics and religious accommodations. State Senator Chris Elliott was speaking with 1819's executive editor Jeff Poor on FM Talk 106.5 out of Mobile. Poor brought up the recent policy change that was made by the Alabama High School Athletic Association in which the AHSAA decided to accommodate a team from Oakwood Academy that did not want to compete against another team on the day that they would normally attend church services. Before this policy change, however, the AHSAA was not so accommodating and would have considered it a forfeiture of the game. Here is State Senator Chris Elliott commenting when it comes to the AHSAA. This entity has has caused too much pain for too long. And we are going to help them uh, help themselves so that we don't end up in these, um, these ineligible player situations. We're going to work um, with them if they want to to try to uh, address those types of issues. Um, the Oakwood Academy situation was a no-brainer. It's one they got a lot of press on from all, from all sides. It was a bad decision. It was a bad policy. I'm glad they've corrected it. I hope they continue that trend and are willing to continue to work um, with me, as I represent my constituents and Alabamians across the state who have serious heartburn with both the, uh, the way and the manner in which um, the Alabama High School Athletic Association deals with student-athletes. Not only will Alabamians be voting on major state leadership positions this coming November, like governor and state attorney general, but they'll also be voting on a series of amendments. There will be 10 statewide amendments to consider on the ballot on November 8th. From Anaya's law, which tightens up on bail that's given or denied to those with a violent criminal history, to expansion of broadband in counties and municipalities, to changing language in the adoption process of a family, to restructuring the order of articles and sections of the Alabama Constitution. 1819's Erica Thomas wrote up a description and explanation of all the 10 amendments that will be on the ballot. You can read more about that by going to the 1819 News website. An Alabama man living in Geneva County is under arrest for interfering with government operations. Pointing lights and lasers at military aircraft is a federal crime. In the past couple of weeks, both state helicopters and military training helicopters were dealing with laser lights being shined from the same area near County Road 9 in Slocum. Police then created a stakeout near that area, and Kevin Neslin was then taken into custody. Authorities say that Neslin had a black object in his hand when they approached him, which he tried to hide, but it turned out it was both a flashlight and a handheld laser. NASCAR driver Jordan Anderson is recovering from second-degree burns after a spin-out on the track on Saturday at the Talladega Super Speedway. Anderson was running in fourth place when the spin-out occurred. His truck hit the interior wall of the track, and then flames began to emerge from the engine. Anderson was able to get out on his own accord, but he then had to be airlifted to a Birmingham hospital and has since been released. First day, Trustville City School principal was put on administrative leave. Now, the school system superintendent, Patty Neal, is on a 60-day paid absence. The two administrative leaves come as a result of parental outrage that a student created a death list of other students 
at one of the Trustville schools and that a handful of administrators knew about that list but did not notify authorities or parents for almost a year. A meeting of the Trustville School Board was held just before this past weekend. It resulted in the decision to also hold Superintendent Neal responsible for this failure to act. WBMA News was at that school meeting to catch one of the parents expressing frustration that Neal did not even attend the school board meeting. She's not here. Right. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a vote. But in the most critical moment of this school system, and you are absent, to me the vote has already been made. Assistant Superintendent Jim Kirkland will temporarily step in as acting superintendent. Speaking of schools, here's part two of a conversation that the Daily Detail had with Pat Ellis of the Eagle Forum of Alabama. We discussed the federal sex education curriculum that is being pushed into schools, including Alabama, that introduces objectionable topics that parents may not want their children learning about at an early age. Andrea, if you get a chance to read these, um, you know, analysis, definitely, definitely they are um, violating child's obscenity laws. The FCC, if this was on the airwaves, you know, they would, uh, you know, come down on um, whoever would promote this stuff to children. It's, It's really beyond the pale. No, you're absolutely right. Just that little bit of a video that I saw that was in the article by Craig Monger. I was like, this, this is animated pornography. Exactly. And that's another thing, um, really is a worldwide, um, movement. Uh, UNESCO is part of it. You know, that's an arm of the United Nations. And then of course we have CECUS in the United States, which is the sexual education information, uh, education council of the United States. They're a nonprofit. They're pushing this agenda. Uh, in the article, I mentioned the CDC. I, you know, I talk about um, the White House proclamation by Joe Biden pushing this type of agenda. You know, at, at, there was a time when we just had to worry about the popular culture, you know, movies, television, that type of thing. Now we have to worry about our own government pushing this agenda on families and children. And that's, uh, you know, just a bridge too far. I think it's time for our legislators, both on the national level, to stop funding these type of programs. And on the state level, I'd love to see some hearings to, you know, really uncover this and make parents aware of what's happening in schools. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, the death toll in Florida as a result of Hurricane Ian is currently at 49. Many along the west coast of that state are still separated from the main areas due to the flooding and washed out roads. They're also without water, electricity or cell phone service. The largest barrier island off of Florida is Pine Island and that area had its primary bridge completely destroyed. That island can only be accessed by air or water. Major damage was also seen in the states of South and North Carolina, where the storm also hit after making landfall first in Florida. Vice President Kamala Harris spoke over the weekend about recovery efforts in states that have been affected by the hurricane. Harris has drawn a lot of reaction from different people who heard her speak at a women's leadership forum in which she seemed to link a person's race and ethnicity on whether or not they got federal relief and recovery assistance. It is our... Um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted 
by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. We, absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. The director for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, known as FEMA, is Deanne Criswell. Well, she was asked to clarify about Harris's comments while speaking on CBS this past Sunday. So these people that need our help the most are going to be able to access the help that, that we offer. I know that the vice president and the president, they share these same values. And again, I was on the ground uh, Friday and Saturday, and I committed to the governor then that we are going to provide assistance to all Floridians because we know that there are people that are just completely devastated from the storm. We are going to be there to support everybody that needs help. But just to be clear here, um, the senator said the vice president's comments were about if you have a different skin color, you're going to get relief. How do you get respond to that? Yeah. Yeah, again, Margaret, our programs support everybody. Um, I would say I believe some of the things the vice president was talking about are the long-term um, recovery and, and um, rebuilding these communities to be able to withstand uh, disasters um, so they can have less impact. We're going to support all communities. I committed that to the governor. I commit to you right here that all Floridians are going to be able to get the help that is available to them through our programs. And the spokesperson for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took to Twitter following the VP's comments. Christina Pushaw tweeted out that Harris's rhetoric is causing undue panic and must be cleared up. She said that FEMA will assist any and all Floridians regardless of their race or background. President Joe Biden also made comments following Hurricane Ian. This time he called a rescue swimmer with the U.S. Coast Guard to praise him for saving so many lives during that storm. Aviation survival technician second class Zach Lesh took the call from Biden and was thanked by the president for his bravery. Lesh then got off the phone and told other news outlets, including Breitbart News, that he didn't really want to ruin the call with the president, but he's only days away from being dismissed from the U.S. Coast Guard for not complying with Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. Lesh says he submitted paperwork for a religious exemption and even a follow-up appeal, but was denied both times. Lesh says it sucks because he loves his job and doesn't want to leave, but the vaccine mandate is forcing him to go. The wife of a pro-life activist is now talking about the FBI raid that occurred a week ago while the two were at home with their seven children. Mark Houck is a pro-life Catholic who offers counseling outside of abortion clinics in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His wife, Ryan Marie, believes that 25 FBI agents with their guns drawn showed up at their front door due to a recent incident outside of one of those clinics involving her husband and 12-year-old son. That's when Hauk pushed away a man who was yelling obscenities at his 12-year-old son. The family attorney, Peter Breen, spoke about this incident on Fox News. The Philadelphia DA refused to press charges, and he's not a friend of pro-life. He's a Soros uh, ally. Uh, then the, the alleged victim filed a private criminal complaint, which eventually the local courts threw out because the guy couldn't be bothered to, to show up for the hearings. So the local court system, which is where if there were a crime committed on that sidewalk, would have dealt with it, they said no. And so that is where this matter should have ended. This was not a federal crime. Uh, we have controlling case law on that, strong defenses. 
but instead they've taken an innocent man and made an example out of him, presumably to send a message to pro-life people and people of faith across this country. Ryan Marie Hauk also says the entire family is traumatized by the way in which these FBI agents stormed the house and arrested their father. The older ones, you, we can talk, we can cry. Um, we've, you know, we've had some counseling. Uh, we have more counseling to do. Um, and the little ones, uh, they're scared. They're scared. There's a lot of crying and a lot of, um, a lot of unrestful sleep. Uh, a lot of kids in our bed at night and in the morning. A former congressman for the state of Pennsylvania is going to become a current prison inmate. Ozzie Myers was sentenced to two-plus years in prison for committing election fraud for Democratic candidates in the city of Philadelphia. Myers pleaded guilty to stuffing ballots, voting records, falsification, bribery, and conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election. Myers' election cheating occurred in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 2018 before the authorities caught up with him. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. I'm Andrea Tice. I will be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 